0: Popular Pig is also made possible by the National Pork Board, Intervention, Crystal Spring, Johnsonville Foods, Hypor Genetics, Minitube, Brenneman Pork, Swine Robotics, Innovative Heating, and Pigequipment.com, brought to you by American Resources.
1: Welcome to the Popular Pig Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Rota, and joining me today is Boyd Rice and Chris Grant from Hog Hearth Innovative Heating. How are you guys doing today? Good, Matt. How are you? Doing good. Doing great, Matt. So, Boyd, we've never had you on the podcast before. Could you introduce yourself and tell everybody a little bit about your background and how you got into pig production and how in the heck you started working for Chris Grant? <laughs>
2: Yeah. So I, I've, been in, I've been in pig production pretty much my entire life. Uh, of course, actively involved when I was a kid in 4-H FFA. And, and uh, my real first exposure, I guess, was my grandparents. Uh, they actually raised pigs. They had the small sow farm, probably had, I don't know, 25, 30 sows. And, and um, so my early exposure was my earliest days. I, I recall um seven eight years old one of my jobs at the pig farm was we had this um a fair barn that had i think six crates in it in his old wood barn and and for whatever reason we we chose to turn the sows loose outside the barn while we was processing pigs and and my my uh job then was as a kid was to hold the wooden door shut to keep the sows from coming into the barn so uh pretty terrifying moments in my early days, you know, because you could tell the sows were wanting to get into where <laughs> the pigs were. And, and uh, so that was kind of my uh, first initiation into the the pig industry. So, but I've been in the pig industry pretty much from that point on. Like I said, I was in, I went to college, uh, Judge Livestock in college for Eastern Oklahoma State and Texas Tech. And, and while well, I was at Texas Tech and both Eastern as well, uh, worked at their South Farms there, and and after leaving Texas Tech, I worked for a company in Colorado as a gilt selector for a large company, and then uh, got connected with another large producer in Missouri. Uh, was with them for about 21 years, and uh, fast forward uh, to what I'm doing today with Chris. I actually met Chris uh, when I was doing shows with uh, another company that I after I left the, the large producer to go work for another, uh, a a a, a old thing, manufactured equipment. And uh, that's kind of how I met Chris is Chris and I would seem like, uh, the, the company that I was with then selling equipment was always right next to the, the booth of where IHT was located. And that's kind of how I got to know Chris and, and, uh, and funny story on Chris, um, uh, whenever we traveled oh. together, it seemed like it was always next next to boost with each other and and uh, of course i found out that he was from canada and he's selling heat pads and i was thinking to myself you know this guy you know how's he how's he selling any heat pads and and little did i know a few years later i'd be working side by side with him. so and it, it's been a pretty good journey and and uh it's been a di- it's definitely been a been a big old paradigm shift for me so
1: i think i had a similar similar situation i saw these guys selling all these heat heat pads and i'm like who the hell is selling heat pads these things were terrible (laughs) and and then little did little did i know that this is like the whole new era of uh heat pads and south farms and it's kind of taken the industry by storm it's been a big paradigm shift for
2: myself even you know and i i told chris uh, early on i was like i didn't think you were selling anything i I didn't think anybody were using heat pads again but you know with 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 our product it seems like the paradigm has shifted and 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 in the past historically the heat pads have kind of gotten a black eye in the industry and and uh and what chris and, and matt's both and their teams have been able to do is provide a product out there that's that has some longevity as well as is very accurate and efficient so Um, it's, it's definitely changed my personal paradigm in the beginning. I was like, Oh, wow, I don't know that they ever sell any, but after being on board for a while, it's definitely changed my thought process. So one thing we haven't really done on, on this podcast
1: before, and I'm excited to do it this time around is we've never really had somebody who's come from production into sales to talk about what is it like traveling around. And what are those stories? So, Boyd, what's it been like getting into sales? And uh, what are a couple stories you've had from your travels with Chris and the team thus far? Oh, you're going to well, go let into let some
3: dangerous ground there, Matthew. Be ready. <laughs> <laughs> we we call these things Boydisms
2: along the way, just so you know. I thought you was getting ready to lead Matt with. Uh, we're getting ready to do this uh, chicken wing tasting contest where we. <laughs> Check like different chicken wing flavors. I thought that's what Chris set me up with. Anyway, <laughs> I
3: thought yeah, we were going to do the hot challenge with you, Matt. But I thought I would save that for another one.
2: <laughs> yeah, we'll save that for another one. of The hot wing challenge. We'll have to do that one later. It's one thing I'll say about being in production and going to sales is it's definitely opened my eyes to. Uh, what the producers experience because I, I lived it for 25, 30 years, so I, I understand and I speak the language that the producers are speaking, which makes it really easy to interact with the producers. So when you go from from that arena into the sales arena, um, it makes makes it a whole lot easier because you understand their pain and what they're dealing with, and and uh, you know the bottom line is whether you're in production or you're in sales is. You, you want what's best for the pigs. I mean, that that's pretty much the bottom line and, and it's how do you achieve that? So, uh, and, it's, and it's great to work with producers and, and, you know, on the sales side too, is sometimes we can facilitate some of those uh, relief points, if you will, to those pain points that the, the producers are having. So um, in in those, you know, you talk about some funny stories in the traveling, we, we do do a lot of traveling. Obviously, uh, you know, Chris and I, I know he attends more shows than I do. I think I do like somewhere between 15 and 20 shows a year. So uh, when you, when you do that much traveling and you're around a lot of guys that you interact with, you know, in, in sales, you, you it, it becomes a more, it becomes more like a kind of a family reunion every time we get together. And, and uh, we get to share some of those stories that uh, that's happened between the weeks of the shows were uh, that we've experienced helping. along the road. So yeah, there's, always,
1: yeah, Matt- there's always something, and I, I can say because it, it, it wouldn't do it justice over the podcast, but Boyd was this crazy guy who picked up a hitchhiker once, and if anybody <laughs> wants to hear that story, you got to ask him next time you see him, but it's not over the podcast. We'll ruin it. It's one of the funniest
3: things, and when he was telling me the story, Matt, I was in the truck with him and you've never seen me so angry. I was just furious that he picked up a hitchhiker. So like, <laughs> I'm like, what did his parents teach him? What is going on here? I was furious. I'm surprised.
1: He, I'm surprised he survived that, that whole. ordeal.
3: Oh, no, it's even funnier at the end because he ended up at a client's at the end and he went into their barn mat and kind of give you an idea. Boyd goes into the barn, sitting down with the maintenance people going through stuff. And at that point, they actually were talking about me and they thought Boyd was my boss at the end of all this. <laughs> he had more, he had more clout with the customer than I did. They basically said, well, this guy doesn't know what he's doing, but this guy here, this Boyd seems like he knows what he's doing. He must be running the company. <laughs> so what are
1: a couple <laughs> stories, Boyd? What's it like on the road?
2: Oh, it's, it's, uh, i tell you what, I've experienced anything from, you know, we stay at a lot of different hotels, obviously on the road and, and we—I've had instances where I actually had a guy in in a room next to me that um, a pistol fired one night in a room next to me, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which was kind. You know, you know, looking back, it was kind of funny, but it really wasn't that funny at the time. Uh, <laughs> I, I heard the gun go. I'm sitting and watching TV, what, and I hear this. Well, it sounded like a gun go off, and uh, so I walked over to my uh, my door and opened slowly, opened the door thinking I was going to see somebody in the hallway and creeping out the, you know, looking out the door. I look across the the hallway and the guy in the room across from me, he's doing the same thing. And he goes, did you hear a gunshot? And I said, I did. I said, where'd it come from? He says, I don't know, but the bullet came into my room. Oh, So, uh, so the end of the story is uh, I guess the next morning we discovered that the guy in the room next to me had a pistol laid on the bed and it fell off the bed and went on and discharged. So, uh, oh, a little bit of a scary moment there, but <laughs> you just never know what you're going to experience in some of these hotels. And, and, uh, yeah. yeah, it's, it's good to be safe out there, but, uh, yeah, some, those are some, definitely some crazy ones on the, on the hotels.
3: Uh, we've also come to the conclusion that Boyd loves going to Mexico for trade shows now after all this.
2: <laughs> so I, you know, before working with IHT, I had never traveled outside the United States and, and, uh, Working with IHT, it's been a it's been a great experience. I've gotten to go to to Canada as well as Mexico, and and uh, both of those trips had, uh, was definitely both learning processes. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know they had co-ed bathrooms in Canada. That was kind of interesting. They didn't bother to tell me that till after the fact. <laughs> <laughs> and then my, my trip in Mexico, I found out you're not supposed to eat the fish on the buffet, especially in the afternoon. So um, that cost me a day of sickness.
3: <laughs> Boyd will try anything, any food, anytime. He's trying squid. He's trying full octopus. He'll eat anything. I'll usually try something once. <laughs> that yeah. doesn't mean I'm going to do
2: it twice. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you, Boyd. I, I try almost anything once. Corn nuts is one of my favorites. If you ever get a chance to eat corn nuts, Matt, try those. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, yep. Those are now.
3: Yeah, but hey, Matt, so Boyd and I were talking, and then it kind of came up. He goes, you got to explain to me. How does a guy, a redheaded kid from Iowa, (laughs) not know what corn nuts
1: are? Yeah, I guess Boyd thinks I was a redhead. I do think you're a redhead.
2: I guess I was wrong. (laughs) Oh, just a little bit.
3: Any and somehow you didn't know what corn nuts were. He thought that was hilarious. So,
1: I tried to Google uh, today because uh, we're going to get into lame and we're going to get into some of your cooling mats and things you're doing, and we're going to yeah. get into a little bit of Boyd's preferences when it comes to singing songs. But <laughs> I looked, I typed in most recent pig news, and uh, apparently there's this lady named Lena who was sentenced to two years in prison for eating pork rinds in Indonesia. She's a TikTok star. And uh, the Islam community put her in jail because she ate the pork rinds on on TikTok. What? I I was thinking (laughs) of something a little bit more lighthearted, and I I type in pig news, and that was the most recent article, and it was a lady in Indonesia. She was on vacation in Bali, and she went to jail for two years. So uh, if anybody wants to know what's happening in the world of pork, uh, that is apparently the hot news off of the press.
3: So the question is, did she buy them over there? And then yeah. eat them and go to prison or?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. She bought she bought the pork rinds overseas in Bali mm-hmm. and she ate them on her video. Um, oh. And she was also fined $16,245. And her jail term may be extended by three months if she does not pay. Um, wow. And, yeah. So it's uh, it was a religious thing. But uh yeah, so her TikTok followers are she has over two million TikTok followers and they're they're a little frustrated that uh she's she's going away for a while. But um Oh man. Yeah. Yeah, so th- there's there was the pig news for the day. Um now layman news. I, what was it like at layman yes. conference? Uh was it pretty busy, people interested in what you guys were were talking about? What was what was
3: going on? Yeah yeah, I noticed it was very busy this year. a lot of um, a lot of producers, a lot of vets, a lot of conversations out there. Um, I didn't get a chance to attend really any of the seminars. It was just constant traffic and people um, talking to us. Um, one of the big things that came out was we've been doing all this cooling mat and working with on the Boar stud and the South side. so there's a lot of conversations on our side on that. but yeah, it was, it was a very busy, active, uh, conference. I, Boyd's first time he was actually ever at Lehman conference. So it was a good, uh, initial run for him. And he was, he probably couldn't believe it as well, how busy it was for a veterinarian conference. Yeah, you survived Boyd.
2: Yeah, it, it was a great conference. Um, had a, the, of course, there are several vets there and and it's always good to see the vets there. And, and, and I did get to meet a few of the, the newer vets and, uh, and, um, so yeah, and I did get to sit in on a couple of the conferences. one of the conferences that I set in on was the, the robust, you know, how do we improve robust pigs basically, you know, trying to, uh, to make pigs where they're, uh, able to produce pigs and, and, you know, maintain, um, their body condition, as well as their just the robustness, overall robustness of those animals, and so that was a, that was a really good meeting, and I enjoyed sitting and listening to that. So I'm got a few good tidbits out of that, and and one of the things that did come out of it was you know genetically selecting um, guilts that that would be more robust out out in the industry. So uh, not only the focus has always historically been on creating a, a female that's very prolific. And produces a lot of pigs and the focus is starting to, to turn toward more of a robust animal for us so uh, that was a, that was a really good uh, presentation to sit in listen to and I got a lot out of that so uh, but like Chris said there was a lot of people there is a lot of great interaction we had several different people come by the booth uh, a little bit outside of our realm that we typically deal with um, from a vet perspective so that was that was really good enjoyed the show.
1: So on the yes. topic of robustness, what you guys are doing with the cooling pads, that that should help with sow well-being. Can you guys talk a little bit about what you guys have learned and as you've brought this to to market and as you've started to make this a little bit more public?
3: Yeah, what we're seeing, Matt, actually with Purdue, we're just finishing up actually all the data is going to be collected right now with on the boar stud and sow side in the next um, two weeks, and then all the data will be analyzed and we'll have it within the next three, four weeks. But the initial numbers are getting uh, from Dr. Schenkel and his research on the cooling pads is talk about robustness. They're weaning a, on average, a 1.1 kilo heavier piglet at 21 days on average, wow. which is, yeah, you're talking almost two and a half pounds, which, which is a huge needle mover in the industry that is one of the things and we're looking at it as the bore stud could be a a huge advantage as well so when we go along on this and we're really interested in the data that we're going to be pulling out of a couple bore studs um that we've been running trials with uh through the summer and all the heat stress that's been going on on that and um we'll be talking about semen quality and trash rate and everything on that as well so we have all the numbers probably in the next month so it'll be great to have the data and share with everybody then. Awesome. So regarding laymen and the
1: kind of the vibes you guys were getting with prices and the markets being so terrible this year, I know corn prices have come down quite a bit. Uh, what, was, what was the feel when you were talking you know, to people? What were they all saying?
3: Yeah, Matt. one of the things they, they were talking about is you can, how you want to put it this way, there's certain things that are in your control in pig production. Corn prices, feed prices, it's such a big part of raising a pig. Um, and the actual end cost, and you have no control of that. You have control of other things, that other aspects in the barn, whether it's labor, whether it's genetics, whether it's how you raise a pig, how many pigs you get. So that's they kind of they kind of uh, hit on that a lot. So trying to get people not thinking about the things you can't change in a barn, which was which was kind of nice. Um, but the big takeaway I got from talking to everybody was, hey, we've all been through this before. It seems like it happens every six to eight years. Um, producers are in this for the long term, they're here to feed the people, they're here to feed the world, that's really what they want to do, uh, they love animals, they love the production side, they love feeding the world, and they'll get through it, everybody will get through it, um, and so it wasn't a super negative vibe you were getting, it was very positive, which is which was great, um, the worst thing you could ever have is just the negative vibe, and it just just manifests on top of itself and everybody gets down it just seemed like everybody had a great attitude whether it was veterinarians to the producers that were there and everybody was it seemed like hey you know what we've been struggling for a little bit but it's going to turn around next year um and we'll all be back um we're not going anywhere and we're just going to continue feeding society here
2: yeah i mean people people got to eat and they and they obviously want to eat pork so so eventually you know everything that goes up always goes down and, and vice versa. So I think that the uh, pork prices are no different and it's historically it's proven that. So, uh, and like Chris said, we're resilient and and it's going to turn around and, and luckily we offer a product that's, that's highly efficient. It actually helps producers save money. So, so it, it's, it's a win for both of us. So, um, but I agree with Chris. That is definitely the vibe of the show. It sounds like bringing Boyd on the
1: team came well, with some excitement. Can you talk about yes, what that did.
3: process was? <laughs> well, there, I, I'll give you a quick Boyd story right off the bat. So a person, I, I was looking to hire someone down South to take care of an area to help Steve out, to work with them. And, um, so I kind of, it was, it was an interesting thing. So, and Boyd's going to start laughing here in the middle of this, because so I Steve was down in Missouri, visiting some clients and, uh, First thing I asked him, I said, Hey, Steve, you've been responsible for hiring a lot of people. I like Boyd. Um, comes with great references to friends of mine. When you're down there, just go out for dinner with him. And so they met up at some place, went out for dinner. And Steve phones me right after. And he goes, Well, he's going to fit in well. I said, Why is that? And he goes, First thing he did, as soon as he sat down and started eating, he spilt all over himself, <laughs> all over his shirt, <laughs> which which was funny. Because Steve came up to our plant when he first started and Matt and I went out for dinner with him. First thing he did at dinner was spill all over himself, all over his shirt. So that's why he said it's a good start. So that yeah. was that.
2: So so yeah. Matt, we've requested Chris order us like gravy colored
3: shirts or jelly colored shirts. <laughs> <laughs> so then so Matt, this all goes through it and you know, I've had conversations with Boyd and it was I I try to play light on a lot of things and try to keep things humorous with the guys. And you know, it, it just make it a fun place to work. So and it's just my personality. You guys know that. So here I turn around, I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to hire Boyd. This is it. I'm going to phone him and I have a little conversation. So I schedule a call and, and before this, he let it out to me that, Hey, you know what? I was, I was, he was getting frustrated because it was like, came down to him and another person, him and another person, the last couple of places. And he was never chosen.
2: Yeah, these were at large, large companies that it came down. You know, there'd be three or four hundred applicants, and they'd come down to meeting somebody else.
3: Oh, Matt, you're going to laugh. So me, being my snarky kind of weird sense of humor, I phoned Boyd and I said, "Hey, you know, Boyd, got some news for you here. You know, I I don't know how to tell you this, but um, um, you know, at this time, bad news. You actually, I'm going to offer you a job. Well, what happens? There's no response. and it was like time you didn't finish second. And there's like literally no response. So in my head, I'm going, well, what happened here? Did I offend the guy? Well, so eventually he comes on and he's kind of he's kind of weird and everything. And it's like, okay, I've got this job and he's kind of accepted it. And it was just this weird thing. Well, I'll leave it to Boyd now because he, he admits to me when we get together, like two weeks later when he starts, he tells me what happened. So go ahead,
2: Boyd. Yeah, so I was when when Chris called me, I was actually in a hog barn that day. And if, if whenever you're in a hog barn, sometimes the reception is not the greatest. So when Chris when Chris called me, said asked me if I was available to talk. I said, course. And uh, he goes, the next thing I hear out of his mouth is, well, here's what's here's the deal. we it's came down to two of you, <laughs> and so we've decided to. And then the, the phone goes dead. I don't hear nothing else. <laughs> for at least a couple of minutes. And then the next thing I hear Chris say is, so this is what we're going to offer you. And I'm like, so did I get the job or not? (laughs) So I didn't know what to say. I was like, I lost you. I have no clue what you just told me. (laughs) Just roll with it. Just roll with it. So then I told him later what, what had happened. And I was like, I just never heard what you said. And all I heard was it's between you and somebody else. Which is what I'd heard the last two or three other interviews I've been through. So, one
1: question we asked uh, on the podcast is, if there was a karaoke song that you had to sing, what would it be, Boyd?
2: Oh, wow, that's a tough one. Um, you know, I'm I'm kind of a Garth Brooks fan, and I'd probably have to say it have to be a Garth Brooks song. I'd, you know, I- any of them that I would sing would probably not be good. <laughs> <laughs> but but it have. I to thought pro-
3: you would do. I thought you'd do like the auctioneer song, because you actually have your auctioneer. Oh, life. yeah. Yeah,
2: I am a licensed auctioneer. Yeah, I suppose I could do that one, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know there was an auctioneer song. Oh, yeah. Yep, there is. I can't think of the guy's name off the top of my head who sings it, but...
0: but so,
1: another, yeah. another thing we do when we, we do this is we ask guests to share a golden nugget, a bit of life wisdom for for listeners. What would your golden nugget be, Boyd?
2: Uh. That's a loaded question um, <laughs> do you want a serious golden nugget, or do you want a funny golden nugget no, you you can give a serious and a funny, you can give a funny,
1: you can give a serious. it's up to you. this is your golden nugget?
2: Well, you know we, earlier you and I, Matt had talked about uh, building relationships in, in the industry, and I guess I guess on the positive side is that's something I've always kind of strived to is is building building relationships with everybody i, I meet and uh, in the industry and I, and i've shared this with my wife as much as we travel all over the united states i feel i feel confident that if if my pickup was to break down in any of 15 20 different states i feel like that i could call somebody in that state that i would know and and they would come bail me out help me out if, if need be so I, to me, I think that's maybe my golden nugget is is because of all the relationships I've built in the industry over the years and, and met a lot of good people and, and got a lot of good friends. And and uh, I, I think that's probably the positive thing, I guess I could say, that that uh, that I, I tried to achieve.
1: Well, I appreciate you sharing you ne- your golden nugget. Hey, what was that, Chris?
2: <laughs> <laughs> you never burn a bridge. Yeah, that's right. You never burn a bridge. So... Yeah,
1: yeah Chris, yeah. I I wonder, you know, Chris, uh, Chris is in Iowa's tires down. You might get enough people to say hell no. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Matt, you know what's funny? You say that is every trade show I go to, people will say to me, "They go, we let you in our country again." <laughs> That's usually the first thing people say to you. Yeah,
1: yeah one one of these days, I'm gonna. Get a new job, and I'm going to be a border security dude, and you're going to come down my line, and I'm going to be like, "Book him." <laughs>
2: yep. book him. So I never had gone through border security before, and that was that was kind of different. I didn't know. I told Chris. I said uh, the guy asked me what I was in the country for. I told him it was none of his business. <laughs> <laughs> But then, of course, I lied. I, I didn't really tell him that. But I told Chris I told him that.
1: <laughs> oh, my goodness. I, yeah, they would have not liked that.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, that don't tell was, him that. That would not go over good. <laughs> so, so, Matt, he comes to Canada. We sit down, and he tells me that. I'm looking at him again. Like He throws these things out. And then he says to me, he goes, I actually almost went back and talked to him because here I show up, I've got a brand new passport, and he didn't even put a stamp in it. I was angry. Because I almost yeah, I was a little upset about that. Stamps. I
2: was looking forward to getting a stamp, and I
3: didn't get a single stamp. <laughs> to his trips to Canada. And Steve grabs him and says, do not go back there and ask for that. <laughs>
1: Well, we appreciate you guys hopping on the podcast and uh, giving us a little update on layman and a little bit what's going with you guys. I think more than anything, it's fun just kind of talking about what's going on in the industry. Um, So I really appreciate you guys taking the time.
2: Yeah, no worries, Matt.
0: Thank you for joining us on this episode of Popular Pig we aspire to learn and grow together through the experience and wisdom shared by our esteemed guests. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and colleagues within the swine industry. For more information, please go to popularpig.com to receive updates when new episodes are available. Popular Pig is brought to you by SwineTech, the award-winning creators of SmartGuard and PigFlow. To learn how PigFlow can help you streamline your workforce and reduce piglet and sow deaths, visit swinetechnologies.com.